Hello, and um, welcome to Not For Turning with me, Casey. This is all about important conversations, strong opinions, and authenticity. Episode two, survive or thrive. Right, so this episode is going to be more of a personal one. Um, so whilst I've been very open about it, um, some people are still real shocked when I tell my I've heart surgery twice as well. I know. Um, it's not something I thought I'd have ever said about a decade ago, but it will be a decade ago um, when this is out. Um, but there we are. A little bit of background for those who aren't aware or wouldn't know. Um, a decade ago, I, on the 1st of December 2013, um, I was baptised by the, the vicar of my church um, and the Archbishop of Canterbury, Dustin Welby. I know. Um, a few days later, I, I felt ill. Um, people I thought was sort of like a chest infection sort of thing. Because um, you don't normally think it's more than that. Um, but if you, if you do want to read a bit more about um, sort of being tested right after I was baptised, um, you can go and read my piece um, called The Church in Love, and um, I briefly touched on that sort of at the end of the piece, um, or you can go and listen to that. Um, so a little bit more detail um, for those who uh, don't know. Um, if you don't want to hear this part, skip ahead by about a minute or so. Um, whilst a lot of it is a blur, um, as you can imagine... There are some details I very much remember, so this is only sort of a few of them. Um, after weeks of sort of a heavy cough and thinking it was a chest infection and pain every time you took a breath, which is quite a quite a thing um, to go through for any length of time, let alone um, a few weeks, uh, and after a couple of doctor visits as well, I finally went into A&E and then was sent to a different hospital and had an emergency operation the next day. It was super fast. It was a lot of it's a blur, to be honest. Um, I was about as ill as you can get before, well, <laughs> you know. Um, so that that's sort of a, a very brief version. Um, recalling all the details, not only is it impossible because it's such a blur um, and it happens so fast, but also some of it's a little bit, little bit sort of still difficult um you know to process so that's that's that it was a lot to process for anyone at any time any age um but not having long turned 14 at the time it was scary because again it happened very fast it was like zero to 100 on another level um hadn't very had many problems before it was pretty much otherwise a normal healthy happy teenager to say it was unexpected is very much an understatement um and to say it was quite a close call um an even bigger one and in an instant i almost had sort of uh, my whole life sort of snatched away from me um when i was barely a teenager with so much to go on and do and see and all of that which is quite a thing to process with very little time to to think about it. Um, I'd say whilst it sort of made me stronger and it's sort of the reason why people see that I've built up a level of strength and resilience that not everyone can rise to, not everyone um, can always do, you never stop wondering why. 
but you can only sort of begin to put the pieces together, kind of make some sense of it. How, how do you really make sense of something that's quite difficult, you know, especially as a teenager? I would say sort of the, the why for me is something that I've only been able to try and look through the mysticism relatively recently. And again, I briefly spoke about it in the piece I mentioned earlier about the Church and Love, sort of what someone had said to me at the time about sort of my heart being too big and not realising what that actually meant and, and still not fully understanding what that meant. Um, but for me, I believe I was given that strength and resilience for a reason. That happened to me for a reason to build those two things because not only could I get through it, but it would sort of give me a kind of desire to protect, defend and serve others. So they don't have to sort of go through the same things that I did in the first place. But that if they do, that someone is, is there for them to make it easier for them. Um, and someone's there um, to sort of make sure their life is better than the last or that it would have been um, better. Um, it, it's given me a determination, I think, as well. Um, to power through anything and everything which blocks my path. That's one of the things that people say is, when I'm walking, I look like I'm on a mission. Um, and that's sort of what I want, <laughs> what, I, what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so, uh, what next? What, what do you do after something that is so life-changing? Um, the next to me was, was, was quite a long one, as you might have gathered. Um... But it's sort of a realisation that service in various forms, including within your local community or standing in elections or helping at various events or just kind of having a desire to do things for others rather than have them done for you. Um, and, and those kind of things are not just a vehicle to decide the destination of change, but obviously to drive it forwards. All of my sort of experiences, everything I've gone through and overcome, have given me quite a strong sense of justice, of, of right and wrong, of courage to speak and fearlessness to act, even when it's unpopular to do so, even when it might make me seem the opposite. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, lots of things will always make you anxious, even if you hide it well, even the best of us. But the desire to make sure that the right thing is done by the right people for the right people that's what drives me. Because too often the wrong people do things and the bad people do well from it. And, and my personal mission, which I'm kind of homing in on and increasingly having a clearer picture of, um, is to be the voice of both the quietest person in the room. Not the loudest person that everyone hears from, but the quietest person who often just walks by and, and isn't heard. Um, and, and the good person, even if it means being seen as opposite myself, so whether people see me as loud or annoying, as long as it means that the quietest person is heard and they've got a voice, fine by me. And the what for me looks a little bit more complicated and I don't think will ever truly end. Um, obviously, despite something quite big happening early in life, likely meaning that certain things wouldn't be possible, made them possible. From being the first in my family to graduate from university, 
um, which I didn't think I would do a few years ago. I was adamant I wasn't going to, and then I did. To standing in an election and to appearing in print, online, television, media, all the things the first of my family to do. But my background should have made all of those things are slightly contrary to what I sound like, contrary to what my opponents will think. I've got a silver spoon, quite the opposite. I love silver spoon. Um, but those things should have made it less likely for me, meeting people and all of that as well. My operations should have made it even less likely. As a kid, it, it is terribly frightening. At any, any age, that kind of thing is frightening, but particularly as a kid. Um, so when I say I know how tough it is, you know what I mean it, not just because of everything else on my background, but I know how hard it can it can get. Um, but it's what you do with that which determines who you become. This may have been be sort of about what I believe and what I've tried to do and sort of figuring out my mission rather than about sort of the operation specifically, but that's intentional. That's because whilst it may be a part of you and quite a big part of you, it doesn't define you, doesn't put you in boxes or box you in, and it doesn't limit what you can achieve or impact your abilities. You have a choice. You either sort of let it become your label, you let it become your entire personality, or you let it make you disheartened. You let it become you. Well, there's an alternative. You grab it with both hands. You find the positives and you run with them. Never wondering, what if I hadn't? But wondering what next? Survive or thrive? That's up to you. So apologies for my voice. I am still suffering with a cold, as you might have gathered, which is going on since conference that's fantastic um but this has obviously been a little bit of a short one but i think it's all i need to say it, it again it, it's something which i didn't think i would have gone through and if you looked at me you wouldn't know um but just sort of by keeping on going and not letting it be what i'm known for but what i do letting that be what I know for, what I try to do, who I try to be. And that's kind of the things that I want to be seen for. And surviving something so significant, which, you know, is never not going to be a problem. It's what you go on to do, it's what you go on to be, who you go on to become. And as I said earlier, you can either let it become you or you can let it drive you forwards and, and thrive from it in a way that you might not have had it not have happened um but as I said that was I think all I needed to say um but it is a decade since um which seems like a crazy thing to say um 10 years ago but there we are so that was episode two of not turning survival thrive Thank you for listening. If you got to the end of that, I will pause for you. Um, if you do have any questions on that, because it is quite sort of a difficult thing, um, or if you have any questions on anything else I've written about previously, um, do drop me a message. Or if you know anyone who does, um, drop me a message. Um, see you next time.